0: A statement that I have used to think about that meekness recognizes that even evil is permitted and employed for the chastening and purifying of believers. We are never victims, Mm. which is exactly how Christ lived. Mm. Evil was against him. He was murdered, but it was used for the good of his people. Mm. He was not a victim. I don't just need to feel better. I need the truth. And ultimately, that will make me better.
1: I just want to make it as totally simple and no-brainer as possible for ladies to see that the Bible is really applicable to their everyday life. When they understand theology, the application flows out of it quickly with joy. It is a journey,
0: but even the
1: journey itself
0: is joyful. When I'm doing it, holding the hand of my Savior and trusting Him all along the way. This is the Joyful Journey podcast, a podcast to inspire and equip women to passionately pursue beautiful biblical truth on their journey as women of God. When you choose truth, you're choosing joy. Welcome back and thank you for joining us once again. I'm Janet here with Alexandra to learn about the beauty of a word that's commonly misunderstood and as a result isn't very appealing to many. And that word is meekness. Mm-hmm.
1: Alexandra, what comes to your mind when you think about the typical idea of meekness? So before I ever studied meekness, I used to think of it as being like mousy, like being in a doormat that people walked all over. Yes. Never having an opinion.
0: Yeah. Yes. And is it any wonder that it's not a character quality we're drawn to? <laughs> right. <laughs> so I really want to share with you a better understanding of this word that I needed to study as someone who... Um, has never been accused of having a quiet voice. (laughs) I really needed to know what meekness meant. (laughs) I hear you. Same. (laughs) And I want people to see that it really comes from a great strength. And it's a character quality that if we grow that in our lives, we would draw people to God just by how we live. Mm. It's pretty powerful. I didn't understand at all what this quality meant. Was surprised, and I'm excited to share it. So let's start with... A passage where the word is used. Alexandra, can you read for us 1 Peter 3, verses 1 to 4?
1: Absolutely. In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won over without a word by the behavior of their wives, as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. And let not your adornment be merely external, braiding the hair and wearing gold jewelry, or putting on dresses. But let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. Excellent.
0: Gentle and quiet spirit. And I hear that and say, does that mean I need to talk like this? (laughs) And here's what I learned. No, because when you talk like this, it's not meek and quiet. It's really just irritating because nobody can hear what you're saying. (laughs) That was helpful. But... Because of this verse and and the beauty, we're going to talk about what this verse means, but because of this passage, many people think it's a character quality for women.
2: Mm. To
0: be meek and quiet, you don't hear that about men. Mm. So what do you think about finding out that the vast majority of people referred to as meek in the Bible were men?
1: You know what? I had never thought of that before, but you're absolutely right. I feel like I always hear about the need for meekness in regards to Christian women, but Actually, if you think about it, the first record of meekness in the Bible was about Moses being the meekest man on earth in Numbers 12. And who wants to call him weak? Right. No. And, you know, it also reminds me of a quote by Jerry Bridges. He says that both gentleness and meekness are born of power, not Weakness. Mm. There is a pseudo gentleness, so hear that it's a false meekness that is effeminate. And there is a pseudo meekness that is cowardly. But a Christian is to be gentle and meek because those are godlike virtues. We should never be afraid, therefore, that the gentleness of the spirit means weakness of character. It takes strength. God's strength to be truly gentle. Love that. So it's so interesting that Bridges says here that a sign that meekness is not being lived out biblically is when it is effeminate or cowardly. And I think those are the two biggest reasons why many believers are not passionate about pursuing meekness. I totally agree. And I'm super excited today to read through some passages of scripture that you have for us, Janet, that give us really a biblical breakdown of meekness. Yes,
0: yeah, so let's start with that. Let's read one passage where meekness is talked about in Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. A lot of people are familiar with this passage. Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And that word humble is the same word for meek. Mm-hmm. It's the Greek word praus. And I don't think anybody is going to want to say that Jesus was weak, Mm. but he was humble and he was meek. So the way we use the word today is not the greatest translation. I almost prefer to say praus and just say the Greek word instead of use meek because it has all these other different connotations to it. So what are the two words? One is that meek or praus, and what it actually means is that I accept God dealings with me as good so I don't resist them,
2: Mm.
0: which was exactly how Jesus lived his life. He always did what honored his father. He did not resist his father's will, but there was nothing easy about it. That's what that means. It's a disposition very closely linked with humility, and in the version I read, they actually translated it as humble. So it's an attitude of heart toward God where I'm free to focus on loving others in all meekness, and I'm not easily agitated about what happens because I'm growing, that I trust that whatever's happening is coming from a loving and sovereign God.
1: Jenna, I appreciate that you brought up the word humility just then. I think this is the difference between someone who acts like a doormat and lets people walk all over them and someone who is truly meek. Mm. Jesus certainly was not a doormat, and John MacArthur says that meekness is power, under control. So here's his full quote. He says that gentleness has nothing to do with weakness, timidity, indifference, or cowardice. It was used of wild animals that were tamed, especially of horses that were broken and trained. Such an animal still has a strength and spirit, but its will is under the control of its master. Meekness is power under control, and biblical gentleness is power under the control of God. So, Janet, how do you think that we can grow to be like Christ with this special type of powerful gentleness that we see in Matthew eleven twenty nine? 29?
0: Yeah, well, it's interesting. We see in Galatians 5, 23, where it's used again, that it's a fruit of the Spirit. So I can't do it. Mm. And I think that's really important to remember, that without the work of the Holy Spirit, I cannot be meek. I cannot do this on my own. But with the help of the Holy Spirit, which all of us who have come to Christ and repented, we have the help of the Spirit, we can grow in that. We can grow to be like Christ, trusting God to where I don't resist what he brings into my life. Now I get to focus all my energy on handling it in a way that honors the Lord Mm. instead of fighting it. So a statement that I have used to think about that meekness recognizes that even evil is permitted and employed for the chastening and purifying of believers. We are never victims. Mm which is exactly how Christ lived. Mm. Evil was against him. He was murdered, but it was used for the good of his people. Mm. He was not a victim. A couple of verses if you want to think about that. Genesis 50, 20, Romans 8, 28, and 29. But think about a situation that tends to make you angry. We don't like to say that because we're Christians. Think of what irritates and frustrates you. Basically anger. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And maybe it's something that's really not fair. But even in that by God's grace. I can do what I can in this situation, but I can stop resisting that God allowed it in the first place, because here's what I know. God is in it, and all of his dealings are good. Mm. So, gentle and quiet. The first word there is gentle. The second word is quiet, and another place where that word comes up is in First Timothy 2.2. 2. Can you just read verses 1 and 2? Absolutely.
1: First of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, in order that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity.
0: Tranquil and quiet life. I mean, I love that. Just, you hear that and you go, oh, I want that. Yeah. (laughs) You don't hear that a lot in your home, right? With five (laughs) little little kids. (laughs) <laughs> Sounds really nice right now. <laughs> well, the first one you really don't have a lot of. Tranquil is a quietness from without. Like if you're somewhere early in the morning and you're looking out at a lake where nothing is moving and there's no waves, you look at that and say, tranquil. Mm. Well, sometimes we experience that, sometimes we don't. But that second word where it says quiet, that's our same word from 1 Peter. And it has to do with what's inside you, it's a state of being that you will not cause a disturbance to others because you're not anxious.
1: Mm, that's interesting.
0: And that's our word. So I, I can't always be in tranquil circumstances. Or control it to be tranquil. No, but I can have a quiet soul. Mm. So it's what's going on in my soul, and it comes from a meek heart that has this stabilizing trust that God is good. It's not something I can make happen, but it's a result of a meek heart, which is, Recognizes that God is overseeing every aspect of my life. And because of that, I can have a quiet spirit inside and as I deal with other people, and I just think, I want that. Mm. That would be amazing. Here's an illustration that may help you to see the difference. It's possible to have a quiet spirit, to not be riled up, but it's not coming from a meek heart that's trusting God. Mm. I was reading a book by Jeremiah Burroughs. And he was talking about people who are just by nature of a more quiet disposition. It's not the result of a meek heart. They just have a quiet disposition, which could be the result of apathy. For Mm. instance, if you would ask me, as happened, we were just traveling recently to a different state, and they were asking us, oh, have you been following something with football and how this team did? I have to tell you, I have a very quiet soul when it comes to football (laughs) because I don't care. I don't even know who the people are. I know how the game is played. I can watch and enjoy with friends if it's going on, but I don't follow it. So I don't get riled up about it. I have a very quiet soul about football, but it's from apathy. I don't really care. But a meek heart can be very passionate about God, care very deeply about a situation, and still have a quiet soul.
1: Mm, That's beautiful.
0: That is supernatural. And then that person with a meek and quiet heart is free to concentrate on others mm. and love others because you're not chaotically trying to manipulate things to get it to go the way I think it ought to go so that things, because I care so much and I can't have this happen. I needn't. I don't have to do that anymore. Mm. I don't have to do that. So I can have a quiet soul and be joyfully and loudly singing and laughing. And I can have a noisy soul and be very, very quiet. Mm. Sometimes if I want to work on an area and say, where am I in that? It helps to see the opposite. So what would be the opposite of a meek heart that's trusting God? And I would say a manifestation of that would be anger or fear, because those are rooted not in trusting God. They're rooted in trusting me. They're Mm -hmm. rooted in pride. So we have to ask, do I struggle with anger and fear? If I do, Maybe meekness is an area I need to work on. Meekness means I trust that a good and loving and big God is in control. Anger means I trust me. That means I now have to demand my rights. I have to make sure nobody's taking advantage of me. I have to make sure things go the way I know they ought to go because I know what's best. And now I have to either manipulate circumstances or somehow control them because it's about me. You might think, well, fear is not that way. Well, fear also means I don't trust God. But instead of maybe trying to control the circumstance by being in it, I now manipulate by avoiding. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be in that circumstance. I would rather not be in that circumstance because I don't see that God is in it. I cannot trust. Meekness, another manifestation. Are you quick to forgive? Because here's what I know. God allowed that to happen. And it was good for my soul to have to work through that. So I'm quick to forgive. Anger and pride, quick to condemn because it's all about me. Here's a really silly example that Brent has allowed me to share it's from many years ago now. But it's silly, but when I've shared it in the past, people have said it helped them see it because this is where we live in our silly little moments. Yep. Years ago, back in the day, in the mornings, Brent would have cereal. I would have a protein shake. And we don't do that anymore, but that's what we did. I pull out the milk. It's almost gone. So here's what we know immediately. I am not having a protein shake and Brent having cereal. Somebody's not getting something. And here's what I saw. I looked up. And I saw Brent look irritated for a second. And then it was gone because he'd already poured his cereal. So he goes to get the milk, and he's looking at it, realizing if I take this, she can't have her shake. So I see the irritation. He doesn't say anything. He just starts putting his cereal back in the box. I should be thanking God, like a meek heart that sees God was in this. This was an opportunity. Now I can respond like Jesus. I can be saying, look, my husband had an opportunity to serve. He wrestled his soul down, like, quickly and served. I'd be grateful that he was willing to do that for me. I'd even see that momentary conflict as, look at that, the Lord gave him grace in that. He didn't give into that. I could just be grateful. But you know what? That's not what happened. (laughs) I don't know if you can relate to this at all, but I took it very personally. (laughs) And now, because I'm not thinking, what's God up to? I'm thinking, you know what? Here's what he said that really upset me. When do you think we'll have more milk? What a horrible man, right? I married a monster (laughs) who is just wanting to know should I plan to have cereal tomorrow or should I have another plan? So here's what I'm not thinking. My husband's been gracious. He's trying to prepare himself to serve me tomorrow if he needed to, though there wasn't even enough milk for both of us for tomorrow. Instead, I now heard you didn't do your job as a wife. You did not plan enough to have enough food because I'm all about being amazing in myself. This was not about the glory of God. This was about me. It was a personal attack. And I start justifying all the reasons why they, my family, not me, use way more milk than they normally would. There's no way I could have known that. I did not do anything wrong. I couldn't have planned for that. And now I'm getting mad. What did we say in the anger definition? I am thinking about me. I am not seeing God and his sovereignty. I'm seeing myself. So I was defensive. And now I'm going to manipulate the situation. Oh, buddy, you're having milk. I will not have anything. You will have milk. And so I'm telling him, you I don't want to enjoy feel... it. Exactly. <laughs> and it will be fun. I will not feel guilty. You will not make me feel guilty as if he was trying. And I'm telling him, get your cereal. I don't even, I know, I don't even want, no, take it. No, take it. Now I'm being mean to my husband to force him to have cereal so that I don't have to feel bad. And now I'm manipulating and I'm angry. I'm doing all the things and I'm having selfish thoughts in my head. He does not even appreciate what I do. He notices the one thing we don't have poor guy has not even done anything yet, but this is what's going on. But what was really happening there? Because we can all go, oh, I know I can be silly that way too. Theologically, what was happening there? I was focused on me and my glory, not God's. I did not have a meek heart that realized, even if it had been a failure on my part, even if I should have known because we were having company and I just didn't get enough milk. God was over all of that. He gave my husband an opportunity to serve. He took it. I can go get more milk today and I can humble myself and see God is at work showing me that I still need to grow. But that is not what happened. What's really ironic is that five minutes after this, me being angry and blowing up over me not having milk, over my husband serving me, my neighbor, three doors down, calls me and says, I'm about to head out of town. Can I leave you my milk? (laughs) And I was like, oh, now I'm mad about that. Because now I see it was totally me. (laughs) And I did ask forgiveness. We did handle it and it was good. But to see there on a practical level, when I don't have a meek heart and I don't see God is up to something here, what I need to do is just show God's values. I don't need to control the situation. When I make it about me, that's what happens. Anger and fear.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Well, what's the opposite of a quiet soul? Well, a noisy soul. What do I mean by that? There's this agitation because I'm trying to control things that I shouldn't that are not mine. One way to look at that is, would you say your life is characterized by chaos? Not, are you busy? Not, do you have five young children and your house feels quote unquote chaotic because there's people everywhere. I don't mean that. I mean, inside, are you chaotic? Our culture puts so much pressure right now on us that we're supposed to be so busy Mm -hmm. and we're proud of that. And we can hold that like a badge of honor. Oh yes, I'm so busy. You know. When someone says, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing this and this and that. how I can't keep up with anything. Well, there's nothing really spiritual about living in chaos, but we're proud of it. I can have an active, exciting life without suffering through a life of turmoil
1: and being proud of that noisy soul. You know, Janet, this is a habit that I had. So I'm hearing this. I'm going, yep, yep, I get it. (laughs) I would get stuck in this cycle of, you know, I would commit to everything because I really thought that I could handle it and I love to take on new projects. And it may look like I'm super spiritual, but in looking at the heart behind it, it was pride that my capacity was greater than what it was. Mm. And then the result would be I would get overwhelmed and want to quit everything and not want to do any (laughs) of it. So for the past five or so years, my husband has helped me live within my limitations because he can see it. I just... It's, I struggle seeing my yes, own limitations. Yes. So if anyone out here is listening and you're like me and it's hard to see where your own boundaries are, find someone in your life, whether it's a spouse or a good friend, whom you can ask to see if it's wise before adding something to your calendar. Yes. I love that
0: example because a meek and quiet heart is one that is looking to God, not trying to be God. mm God does not have limits. I do. And when I try to live without limits, I will have a noisy soul. So true. Because I'm not God. So learning how to live within my limits is a real act of humility, and it's going to really help you have a quiet soul. I mean, there are times when we are busier than we want to be, when we're stretched more than we are comfortable, and God allows that. Sometimes, as you've said, it's just our choices catching up to us. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's not. It's I didn't know there was going to be an accident, and I would be also caring for two family members when I, we didn't know. And God will use those times, but I'm going to handle them better if I've already been working on living within my limitations, mm-hmm. developing a quiet spirit. And those times should not be characteristic of every week. A psalm that I love about this is Psalm
1: 131. Alexandra, oh, can you read that? I love this psalm. Oh, Lord, my heart is not proud, nor my eyes haughty. Nor do I involve myself in great matters or in things too difficult for me. Surely I have composed and quieted my soul like a weaned child rest against his mother. My soul is like a weaned child within me. O oh, Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forever. That is such a short
0: psalm, but I love it. And I love thinking about a weaned child resting against his mother. And I think mm-hmm. if I'm like a weaned child in the arms of God, ha. Huh, And then you think of a nursing child in the arms of, where's the food? Where's the food? Where's the food? And frantic because I'm hungry. And God's saying, don't be like that frantic child. Be like a weaned child. So if only I realized when I start telling other people, oh, my word, my life is so chaotic. Not I've had a fruitful busy week, but oh, my word, it's so chaotic. How am I going to do it? And when I'm proud of that, here's what I'm really saying. I've been trying to handle matters way too great for me this week. Or, I have not handled matters in a biblical fashion, as God word tell me, and now I have this sinfully noisy soul. That's what I'm screaming when I say that. So think about, how has your week been? This is an excellent psalm to memorize for those of us who are working on quieting our souls. Because David here tells us how to have a quiet soul. Oh Israel, hope in the Lord. That is a meek heart. Where is my trust? It's in the Lord. And he also says... I have composed and quieted my soul. He tells us he has to actively choose Mm -hmm. to quiet his soul so that because he has a meek heart, his soul is now quiet because he's trusting the Lord and not trying to do things that are too difficult for him or be the controller because Mm -hmm. he trusts the Lord. Mm -hmm. Here's another verse that is so convicting to me. Can you read
1: Isaiah 30,
0: verse 15?
1: For thus the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel has said, In repentance and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and trust is your strength, but you are not willing. Think about that. I contrast
0: that with God is talking to them right now because they're being rebellious as a nation. And instead of looking to God for deliverance, they go to Egypt. And the very next verse says, instead, you go to Egypt.
2: Mm.
0: Now think about what happened in Egypt. If you know anything about the scriptures, there was a time when Israel was in Egypt and that didn't end so well. Mm. They're under Pharaoh as slaves, Pharaoh who believes he's God. And because he believes he's God, he says, I'm God, you're not. Therefore, I sit and rest and you work your fingers to the bone. And he abused them because they needed to serve him because he's God. The true God is saying, in quietness and trust is your strength. Mm -hmm. In rest, you will be delivered. In other words, you don't need to do it yourself. I will do it for you, mm. but you were not willing. Mm. And I think, what is wrong with me that I say, no, I'm going to do this. I got to do it instead of God saying, honey, you know what I ask of you? I'm not like Pharaoh. I'm the real God. And I say, trust me, I will work on your behalf.
1: It does require trust, though, because that temptation, it, like you've been saying, the temptation is to control my circumstances, to make it tranquil. And we really don't trust that God offers us the quiet quietness within our souls, you know, it really does require a trust in his character. Yes. Which is the basis of a meek heart. Mm. It has to be that I trust his character, which means we
0: have work to do, but I want to work on the right things. Mm -hmm. I need to work on that because what's amazing is that we serve a God who could say, I'm God, you'd better do all the work. He could, but instead he says, here's what I want you to do. And okay, what do you want? I just want you to trust me while I do the work. Hmm. And I was not willing, this verse says.
1: And you know, that's the opposite of the let go and let God, you know, statements that people make. Because I think deep down, we do want to be able to respond to when there's chaos in our lives, you know. Yes. And this verse gives us like something to do. Like yes. the couple, last couple of verses we've been reading.
0: Yes, we don't let go. We trust the Lord and be faithful. Yeah. But I don't try to change what God, allows... you're exactly right. This is not let go and let God. This is trust God. Mm -hmm. which is very different. And that's where our strength is. So here, what does he say? Quietness of soul, that's your strength. He doesn't say that's your weakness. That is where your strength comes. When I have obeyed God, I've done all I can. That's what he commands of me. He commands me, show people my value system. Obey me, respond in a way that would honor me. You see something unjust, show people my value system. Stand up. But when I've done what I can, The result of my obedience is up to God, and I trust him with that. So I work hard with a trusting, quiet soul. And then it reveals my view of God. So another area, another verse where we see this is Matthew 5. Matthew 5 to 7, Sermon on the Mount. At the very beginning of it are the Beatitudes that many people are familiar with. I want you to notice how meekness or gentleness is exalted, and then look at its connection to humility. Alexandra, can you read verses 1 to 5?
1: And when he saw the multitudes, he, being Jesus, went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him, and opening his mouth, he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth.
0: Excellent. I've always wondered what that actually meant, but that word gentle, that's the word we're talking about. That's "prouse." So Christ is telling us what it means to live in a truly righteous way, which is something we can't do completely till we're with him. But because I have his spirit, I can grow in it. And then he tells us the great rewards that are promised to those who live this way, who live a way of prouse of not resisting what God has allowed. And now that I know what it means, I don't know, Alexandra, how does that impact your understanding of what he's trying to tell us here?
1: Well, I think that knowing that meekness is not wimpiness, but directly correlates with gentleness, it really gives more depth to this passage. I really find this passage fascinating. So we end the Old Testament with a curse in Malachi four six, but then the gospel begins with a blessing. Oh, Jesus I love that. Yeah. Jesus begins his Sermon on the Mount with this list of eight characteristics and ways that his creation can be happiest. And it's an invitation to the crowd that has just gathered. So in the same way, Christ invites us to what we want most. We want to spend our whole lives pursuing what we think will make us happiness, and Jesus invites us to that path of joy. Mm. So the reason why believers who are meek are the happiest believers are because this, along with the other traits listed in this passage, are ultimately characteristics of Jesus. Jesus quietly submitted himself to God and to his word. Jesus endured being provoked without giving into fury. And Jesus had an unbelievable patience that allowed him to choose righteous responses. His heart is one of forgiveness and not revenge.
0: And think about this. What we want many times is exaltation. Mm. And we don't want to be meek because we think it's the opposite of that, which it's not. But it is a trust in God. Jesus, it says in Philippians 2, is exalted above all. Mm. So the one who was the meekest, God rewards. Mm. And this one says, if you're gentle... The gentle who don't resist me, they will inherit the earth.
2: Mm.
0: There is an exaltation coming mm-hmm. for those. And why would God do that for gentleness? Because it's an acknowledgement that we trusted him,
2: mm.
0: just like Jesus did. Of course, we didn't do it just like, but just as Jesus trusted him fully, submitted to him fully, was fully meek, and is now is the most exalted, those who are gentle and meek as they live will inherit the earth and will be exalted. I love that. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, I don't know if you find this, but I do, that there are times when there's that agitation that's starting in the pit of my stomach. And, you know, my countenance isn't displaying this joyful trust, but maybe a little dazed, maybe angry, maybe just trying to stay above water. Now I can start looking at Psalm 131 and saying, okay, how did it begin again? What great matter, too difficult for me, am I trying to proudly involve myself in? What matter am I not handling according to biblical principles? And I know for me, It's usually controlling somebody else. I'm upset because I was trying to work on something and I got interrupted five times. And there's this, okay, I'm trying to control other people. I don't control people. Or that's not right. What they just did is not right. I'm being taken advantage of. And this business thinks that they can do. That's not my job. Now, communicate biblically, but I can do it with a quiet soul. And as I've been more aware of this area of my life, I'm seeing it more and more. Think back in your own life, Alexandra, to just some situation, big or small, that was unfair. Well, whatever that one is, let's think about the context of what we just read in 1 Peter 3, where God is telling the wife to have a gentle and quiet spirit, which is, I trust God and I have a quiet soul. Well, what we see is it's a husband who's behaving disobediently, very possibly not a believer. And God says, I want you to have the goal of pleasing me and winning your husband when he's behaving in ways that are ungodly, Mm. which outside of God's grace, we have to say that is totally unfair. And it is, but that's what it's like to be like Jesus. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And he helps me. And I do that not because my husband deserves it, but because I trust the God who is over my husband Mm -hmm. And I'm thankful for those opportunities to grow. So I hope as we go through this, that we're not thinking, I will never be this way. I cannot even imagine this. 2 Peter 3, 18. Alexander, you want to read that verse for us?
1: It says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen.
0: How freeing to know I can be growing. Mm -hmm. I can be growing. And as I'm growing, I can be free of a noisy soul and I can beat it down and quiet it when the noisiness starts. You know, I can remember when we were in the college ministry, and one of the college girls talking to me years ago, wanting to be different from her classmates. And so she had decided that there were some external ways she would just be different. And when I would talk to her about some of the legalistic standards that I saw in her, she said, because I need to be different from the world. So we had to talk about being different from the world doesn't just mean picking something that they do and not doing it. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that I'm not going to get dressed up when I go to a fancy restaurant so I'll look different? I mean, I don't think that's the point. But I would say this. If you lived a life that did not resist what God put into your life, if no matter what God put into your life, you responded to it, handled it, didn't run away from it and with strength even moved toward the hard and the unjust but with a quiet soul, you're so different. How in the world how how could the world not see that?
1: Yeah, and when we put those like legalistic weird boundaries into our life that are just kind of severe. It really just draws attention to us.
0: Excellent point.
1: But then when we do have that quiet spirit, just how you just described, people cannot help but notice how radically different you are responding than how The world would respond. It's just a supernatural, really super unnatural way of responding that you just cannot help but notice. And then you have the opportunity to point that to Christ.
0: Yes. And I love that you say that. Some of our other standards that we do either I don't listen to this kind of music or I want to dress this way or I'm going to make sure whatever I do that I want to look different and be noticed as different. You're right. It just makes people look at me. But this doesn't. What an obvious difference in a world that prides itself on fighting for its rights. And demanding their way, I can not mousily do nothing, I can speak truth, I can come down on God's side, I can communicate biblically, I can resolve conflict and have a gentle and quiet spirit because I trust God with the outcome mm. that's different. And then I read in Romans 12:17 to 21I don't have the authority or the ability to exact vengeance that that's God's alone. so then I stop thinking it's my job to fix all wrongs, but I do what I can, and I trust God. So how are we going to get there? What do we have to do? First, just a summary statement. A woman of meekness trusts herself, her circumstances, and her loved ones to her holy and sovereign God, and as a result, is not easily riled or noisy in her soul. I read that and think, I want that. Mm. I can't say, this is where I live, but I visit it, and I would like to visit more often and stay longer how are we going to get there? I've mentioned this. So I just want to say quickly, it's a fruit of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. So I can't do this without the help of the Spirit. I cannot whip this up within myself. I have a responsibility, but I need His help. John fifteen five says I can do nothing without Him, and that's actually true. So I'm going to need to do some things that are going to help me to trust His character.
1: And also, I think it's important to note that because it's a fruit of the holy spirit. If you're listening to this and you're not a believer, it's just not available to you at all. And so, if this is something that, you know, you are maybe not a Christian or someone who follows Christ and you're hearing this and thinking, gosh, I want that power over yes, my circumstances. I want that quietness from within, that inheritance, you know, from the Lord to experience that now. This is tastes of heaven that we're talking yes. about. Heaven is going to be a just such a peaceful eternity. And really we're experiencing, to be meek is to experience tastes of that within us, even if our circumstances around us don't offer that. And so if you're listening to this and thinking, gosh, I want that, it's not something that, like Janet is saying, it's not something that you can do on your own. It has to be something from the Holy Spirit.
0: Excellent. Oh, I'm so glad you said that cuz so yes, the first step would be acknowledging that. And, you know, send us an email if you want to reach out to us, reach out to somebody around you if you don't understand what that means, but there is a huge difference between learning about God, trying to use his principles to have a better life, mm. and having him be my master, mm. moving from the kingdom of Janet to the kingdom of God. Mm. And it's available all because of Christ. Mm-hmm. So, yes. Now, if I am in Christ, I'm going to need to spend time studying and learning about his character because as I come to know him more, I'm going to see how trustworthy and awesome and how superior and how much better he is, that his love is amazing. Go back and listen to our podcast on Hesed and Mm. revel in that love. And I'm going to trust him more, which is going to help me not fight what he allows. I love it. And then understand what his purpose is. Romans 8, 28, and 29 tell us that God has a purpose for us and that the purpose is to conform me to the image of Christ. I think sometimes I get confused, and I think his purpose is if I obey his principles, life will be easy. So then I obey his principles. Life is not easier, and I'm noisy. <laughs> <Yeah>. Instead <laughs> of, I have opportunities to see the parts of me that are not like Jesus, conform them to look like Jesus. And when that's my goal, and I have the same goal God has for me, No matter where I am, I can be quiet. Mm. So I need to understand that. I have to be nourishing my roots, not only in learning the word, but praying and Mm. talking to the Lord about that. I'm going to read a part of, I'm going to ask Alexandra to read a part of Psalm 66 to you. Now that we've talked about what meekness is, how do you see meekness in these verses? So it's Psalm 66,
1: verses 8 to 12. Bless our God, O peoples, let the sound of his praise be heard, who has kept our soul among the living and has not let our feet slip. For you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. You have brought us into the net, and you have laid a crushing burden on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, yet you have brought us out into a place of abundance.
0: One of the things I think is fascinating about this is he doesn't just say, you brought us out. He says, You captured us. You laid the burden on us.
2: Mm.
0: That's a meek heart. I see that it was all from God. And then he brought us out. So we see the meekness there.
1: Mm. You know, it says in that part, it says our lives are in his hands. And like you said, this includes both suffering and prosperity because both are equally under his power and his goodness. And it reminds me of Ephesians 1 verses 5 and 6. The end of verse 5 says, according to his plan. So if you want to know God's plan for your life, it's this. It says to the praise of his glorious grace. Hmm. And if we want to know God's plan for the believer, both in prosperity and in suffering, it is to allow us and others to praise. His glorious grace. I'm not worthy to be His beloved, but even in my weakness, God is tenderly loving me. This is not something that we can see with unholy eyes. We need to be praying, like you said, that God allows us to see all the things in my life, our purpose to point to His glorious grace. And meekness is what allows me to live within this reality. Meekness allows me to shoulder any trial or suffering with a quiet heart that has the sweet aroma of Christ. Love that. A.W. Tozer once said, The meek man is not a human mouse afflicted with a sense of his own inferiority. Rather, he may be in his moral life as bold as a lion and as strong as Samson, but he has stopped being fooled about himself. He has accepted God's estimate of his own life. He knows he is as weak and helpless as God has declared him to be. But paradoxically, he knows at the same time that he is in the sight of God, more importance than the angels. In himself, nothing. In God, everything. That's his motto. So when we're balancing the true humility of our humanity with the tender love and goodness of our Savior, that is what I think gives us the true strength to be meek.
0: Absolutely. And then we realize the power of mm. meekness in that way. To think... You can win a person to Christ because of your demonstration of a life of meekness.
1: And that gives us such hope if you're going through something really hard right now. Yes. The
0: goal is not, they need to see that if God is big, I shouldn't have hard things. Mm. And so I need to pretend I don't. But when they see your meek heart in it, there is such power there. Mm. So hopefully that's an encouragement to people. But you know, this is just scratching the surface. So... What are some things that we can do to help us grow even more? There's a book by J.I. Packer called Knowing God. That's a great one, or Jen Wilkin, None Like Him. Looking at the character qualities of God and meditating on those. You know, I mentioned Psalm 131. Alexandra read that. It's only three verses. Memorize. Meditate on that. My husband did a little, what we called a moment of faith a couple of years ago or during the pandemic, on that psalm, and we'll try to link that so you can have that teaching as well.
1: I still go back to that and listen. It's like a five-minute little video, and I still go back and listen to it when I'm struggling with having a noisy soul. It's so good.
0: So we'll link that one. Elizabeth George's book, Beautiful in God's Eyes, the book by Jeremiah Burroughs that I was reading, The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment. Excellent. We're going to attach in the show notes a meekness assessment. Martha Peace in the past has given me permission to put this out. It's her assessment. But you can go through there if you're trying to figure out how am I and how can I assess where I might need to grow. That would
1: be great. I also think that the book Gentle and Lowly, I mean, you would think that this podcast is being sponsored by Gentle and Lowly. without <laughs> no we, money. <laughs> <laughs> we truly don't, but it's just that good of a resource. I just feel like it's, you know, seeing Jesus's gentleness and lowliness, it's a good mirror of how I should be living out meekness, yeah. but it's also powerful to see his gentleness towards me because it helps me and I'm not afraid to let go of control.
0: Yes. Dane Ortland uh, describes Jesus this way meek, humble, gentle. Jesus is not trigger happy, not harsh, reactionary, easily exasperated. He's the most understanding person in the universe. The posture most natural to him is not a pointed finger, but open arms. Uh, Makes me want to run to him. Exactly. That's been one of my biggest takeaways from that whole book is when I am battling sin, I run faster Mm. because I know his arms are open and he wants me to. And that's great. So what's that going to do? I'm going to have a little bit, I still have much room to grow, a little bit meeker heart when I understand the heart of my Savior. Mm. So I do hope that this can be an encouragement to you and I hope you can come back next time because we're going to continue to see that God's way is always better. Choosing truth is choosing joy. To keep from missing any future episodes, please sign up for our newsletter on our webpage, joyfuljourneypod.com. From there, you can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Google, or Spotify. You can also visit us on our Facebook page or Instagram at Joyful Journey Podcast. If you have any questions or comments for us, you can also email us at joyfuljourneyquestions at outlook.com. Joyful Journey Podcast is a ministry of Faith Bible Seminary. All proceeds go to offset costs of this podcast and towards scholarships for women to receive their MABC through Faith Bible Seminary.